Thank you for tuning in to Making Sense of Madness. I'm your host, Sean. I'm just like normal. This is off the cup, off the cuff, and it's just me having a conversation with you. Now, the topic that I'm going to talk about today kind of branches off of what I talked about in the last episode. Now, I had made the statement that basically violence will always be a part of our world. And I, in the last episode, I explained why that is the case. Now, I was asked by my friend what I think about gun control. Now, <laughs> this is a great question. Now, the scenario with that one is, is there's a lot we can talk about. Now, when it comes to gun control, you have to you have to look at it like this. Now, we're going to talk very low level later about the introductory to this topic. But when you come into the world, okay, so later down the road, we'll talk about the prior to coming into this world and the low level stuff there. But we're going to start off with the high level. When you come into this world, you come in as a baby. Okay, you're cute. People are pinching your cheeks. And hopefully they're like, that is a great looking kid. That is a beautiful kid. That is a cute kid. Every now and then, not so much. Um, but, you know, no matter how ugly the baby is, there's still going to be a baby. And they're still going to be cute because of the right, you know. Now, what they're doing at this point is their babies are absorbing everything. They're absorbing language. They're absorbing your culture. They're absorbing your religion, your politics. Those those high high intensity subjects, the ones that people are like, you should never talk about. No, no, you should definitely talk about them. But just understand how you talk about them, because those are core topics. We're gonna go into this one, I think, probably in the next episode, but or in a future episode for sure. But core topics are they're they're the foundation that you base your life on. Okay. And they help you establish boundaries. They establish some light boundaries and some really hardcore boundaries. And we're going to talk about those in a second. But your light ones are like your comfort zones. So maybe I'm I'm really uncomfortable talking um, public speaking, okay, and standing in front of a crowd. Very common. And so I have to do it, right? Now, when I do these conversations in front of a large crowd of people, now, these, this is a soft boundary, so, so if I break this boundary, it's not going to affect my psyche much. Matter of fact, I might tremble, I might shake a little bit, I might stutter a little bit, but I'm not going to die. I'm not going to have some episode, you know, after the fact. I might, I might freak out a little bit, I might go have a cigarette or have a beer, hang out with some friends, talk about it. Um, and then, and then I might do it again, you know, and I might get better. And as I'm getting better, that soft boundary, I can move it because it's a soft boundary. I can move it. So I moved it out farther. So now public speaking 
is now within my comfort zone because that the, these boundaries are for protecting you. Um, I had mentioned about the soul, the higher self, the subconscious mind being your true self. And we're going to talk about that more later. But its design or its function, if you want to call it that, because it is you, it truly is you, is to is to live an experience and protect you while you're living that experience. So there's certain things that when you do it and you're unfamiliar or it pushes past that boundary a little bit, you're going to have a reaction to it. And it's usually going to be relayed physically because your brain is going to tell your body, it's go, okay, cool. Um, we're pushing a boundary, breaking a boundary. So, uh, what do I do? What do I do? I freak out, right? I I panic, <laughs> you know, I, I get scared, whatever the case may be, I throw up. But because it's a soft boundary, it doesn't mess with anything, okay? So these soft boundaries are established by your core beliefs, which are your religions, your politics, your cultural influences, your family, your friends, your schools, everything that establishes the groundwork of who your experience is going to be like in your life, okay? Now, there are harder core boundaries too. And those I like to I like to consider more permanent boundaries. Like and we're going to use the 90/10 rule like I used in the last one. Um, so 90% of us believe that killing people is unjustified. You should never kill people. We go through life every day putting our clothes on, going to work, and at no point in our life have we really or we would ever think about actually taking someone's life. It's not a part of that um, because we have a very solid permanent boundary when it comes to life okay now this can be kind of pushed a little um what i mean that is and you see it usually in soldiers and we use them for example i did it years in the navy so luckily i didn't have to go through it but um let's say say you're a soldier and you are you're fighting a war okay there are two conditionals that we typically, the average person, um, can usually justify when it comes to killing, and that's war or self-defense. But nevertheless, what happens, because these boundaries are so permanent and so strong, is that once we breach them, even for a noble cause or what we think is a noble or worthwhile cause, once we breach them, it affects our psyche at this point. It's why you get people who have PTSD. The reason why they have PTSD is because they were forced to breach that permanent barrier that was established by their core belief systems even though it was a noble cause or what they felt as a noble cause is still affecting their psyche because you're dealing with the fact that subconsciously they're thinking, I passed that barrier. 
but then the other part of their psyche is going, but I did it nobly. And so they're essentially at war with themselves, which is why I find it interesting that we prescribe medicine for PTSD when there's not a medicine that can be produced by Pfizer or any of these pharmaceutical companies that can actually settle a war with yourself. Now, there are ways to definitely settle wars with yourself, but it's it's a more um, metaphysical route, if you want to call it that, or more personal route. I mean, it's it's not an easy battle. I mean, you are literally fighting against yourself in your mind, you know? So this is not an easy battle, so you definitely got to got to do different things, but choking down pills is not going to do it. I would even say smoking weed isn't going to do it. I would suggest like if this is really you and you are really and fighting with yourself like this. I would suggest, and like this is not me physically suggesting, but these are things that could possibly um, start researching how to become one with yourself again, because you are fragmented, and you need to bring these fragments together. Everybody's fragmented, but yours is catastrophic, and until you address that side of you, there's nothing going to help you. You know what I'm saying? Because you have, because what happens is we fragment ourselves. There's pieces of our personality and, you know, you hear when you're a child or you actually hear more when you're an adult, I think, and more when you're an adult, because you'll be like, oh, this person is one way with this person, one way with that person, whatever, Right. It's because you've essentially broken off pieces of you based on what is going to fit the environment that you're in. Okay, what is socially acceptable at that time. So you fragmented essentially your psyche. You fragmented your personality. You fragmented now, not to say your personality, you know, multiple personality syndrome, blah, blah, blah. No, you actually fragment who you are. So there's pieces of you that you hide that you consider bad. You consider um, negative, sociably unacceptable. And you, you see these usually with like more commonly easier to, I guess, recognize um, with people who have anger issues, right? Where you have that person who, who, who feels that anger is such a bad thing and it's such a, a catastrophically evil thing that they try to constantly not be angry, and they try to pretend that all they are is happy and joyous and you know this great human being. But naturally, we all feel that they're angry, and you know psychologists will talk about them because you you have p- pent up anger. You're, you're very angry because you don't let go. It's the same concept. We're fragmenting ourselves. And that's what these PTSD, people, PTSD soldiers and whoever else does, is they fragment that section and they push it so far away.
that it's just both sides are fighting each other. And so you're going to have to really work on yourself in order to bring it back in because you went through something catastrophic because of that permanent barrier and pushing it through it. Now, I digress from my original thing, but I wanted to kind of explain what's really going on, you know? Now, that 10%, they don't have that permanent barrier. Now, these are your cartel owners, uh, gangsters, you know, killers, serial killers. Stuff. They don't have that. They don't have that permanent barrier that is that is uh, enforced by their core belief systems. So when they break it, now we go, okay, they're crazy. They're insane. No, they're, they're really not. I mean, yeah, they're crazy in the fact that they, they killed people and that's bad. And that should never be okay. But psychologically, they made this decision with knowing the outcome and are okay with said outcome which means that they're they're not really crazy they made it in their own cognizance they went and decided to do this knowing everything and they're not at war with themselves matter of fact they go and do it again and again and again and again because they're not at war with themselves now psychologically we we look view them as crazy but i'm saying in reality they're not crazy they just don't have that barrier so when they push through that barrier it doesn't matter to them now so when you're dealing with these types of individuals that don't have that barrier those are the people that the laws of don't kill people or it's illegal to kill people are for they're not for the 90 percent because we're not thinking about that because we have that barrier you know they are for that 10 percent because we're trying to to feed off that one thing that we have over them it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter how how corrupt or how evil or whatever you want to say it doesn't matter who the individual is self-preservation is number one we all want to live. It's why when you look at like um, murder, serial killers, stuff like this, they often try to take plea deals no, knowing they're going to be in jail no matter what for their entire life, whatever the case may be. But they usually try to make deals so that they can pull the death penalty off the table because to die is actually to them worse than spending time in jail for their life because of that self-preservation. Now, what we try to do is we try to put a punishment that is, uh, is high enough that we try to ward off these individuals' intentions to go past that barrier, right? So, like, the penalty of murder, you're going to spend a lot of time in jail. You may get the death penalty. I mean, there may be a lot of different consequences for it. But, and it, it wards off a lot. Don't get me wrong. 
Because when you look at the statistics, the true statistics, um, based on the amount of people that are, like, even, even just in this country, if you look at the amount of people that are uh, in the United States, which is close to about 400 million people, and you look at how many of those are actual murders, like deaths, from like somebody actually shooting them or killing them physically, gun, knife, whatever the case may be, it's actually a considerably low number. Now, there are a lot of deaths, but when you look at these deaths and they try to do statistics, they're not taking, I mean, they're not taking out a lot of different statistics. They're not taking off accidents. They're not taking out um, self-defense. They're not taking out, you know, different things, you know. They just kind of go, okay, cool. Here's everybody who's ever died from a gun in the air. Or here's everybody's died from a knife in the year, you know, or whatever the case may be. So you got to really look at, when you look at the true statistics of who's actually shooting people and really, you know, like not self-defense, not accidents, not any of these things, but just cold-blooded, it's actually very, very low. Now, so we did a great job by keeping the punishment now, if we raise that punishment and make it even harder, then it, it may even curve it more because it's about self-preservation, whether it be freedom, whether it be life, whatever the case may be. The punishment, if it's higher, then it will definitely... It's why in Singapore... Singapore is one of the safest countries in the world. And that's because their punishment is pretty brutal. There are a lot of them. like um, Majority of the stuff you do... Um, you can get cane for, which is like essentially a a ninja comes out and beats you with a bamboo stick. Okay, <laughs> which is pretty effective actually. It was I think what in the in the nineties if I remember correctly, the kid went to Singapore, spray painted like ninety cars or something like that. Got like fifty whack lashes. That kid will never spray paint shit ever again because he got. Smashed like 50 times by a ninja with a bamboo stick. So definitely, it definitely works. Now, for those that do go through that gap, who go, okay, cool. That punishment, then I'll just, I'll risk it, right? You know, because there's those people too, obviously, because people still get shot in cold blood today. Even today. Yesterday, the weekend, happens all the time. The motivating factor for them is still going to be self-preservation. They want to be alive. So the only way that you can prevent these individuals from taking your life is to essentially be protected because when they're looking for, because these people have predator mentalities, okay? So they're looking at people for praise, whatever the case may be, whether they're trying to rob somebody, they're trying to murder somebody, whatever the case may be, a person is less likely to mess with somebody who can protect themselves. They're, because they want to live, right? Right? 
that self-preservation is a part of all of us. It's in our wiring. So we're, we want to live. We want to stay alive. So even with this predator mentality, they're going to not mess with the person who can potentially end their lives. They're, so they're going to mess with that person who is why you see people messing with like elderly or messing with children or messing with um, gun-free type zone places because they understand that if I get in there, this individual may or may not end my life. So I'm able to risk it because they're not protected, you know? And so you got to have, because this gun control thing, look, let's be honest. Those rules, like there's already background checks. There's already all these systems that are in place. These rules are only going to affect people who follow the rules. Like people who typically are like felons and different things like this, they can't have guns anyway. It's illegal. But they don't pay attention to the law anyway. That's why they are felons. You know what I'm saying? So it's like people who want to kill you are going to kill you. That's how it is. Like I said, it's a part of the balance thing. People are going to die always. But these provisions and things that people are trying to push, they're for the people who aren't breaking the law. They're not for the people who are breaking the law. Because the people who are breaking the law are going to continue to break the law no matter what. There's still going to be people killing people regardless of how illegal killing is. Um, so my real warning on that is who is pushing the agenda for... Because when, when you're... When you're looking at when you're looking at the gun control debate, who pushes this? Who pushes it? Um, politicians push it. People are protected by armed guards, by the way. And celebrities who are protected by armed guards. I mean, these people they push it. This isn't your mother Teresa's pushing it. This isn't the good people. It's the people you can't freaking trust anyway who are pushing this crap. Um, so, yeah, that's my thought process. We need, we don't need gun control, okay? Um, we don't need it because you, you don't, you don't get rid of predators by creating more prey. Uh, this is Sean, and that's my take on it. If you can go ahead and go ahead and share the episode, um, leave some feedback on Making Sense of Madness on um, Facebook page. Um, if you have any questions, just drop them.